You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. Today is the big day where the Hong Kong International Literary Festival is kicking off. Tonight, all the way through to the 15th of November, uh, we will be featuring lots of great local and international creative content producers, authors, poets, filmmakers. And today, we're chatting with poet and academic Jason Lee about his work and his involvement with this year's festival. How are you doing, Jason? It's great to see you. It's great to be here. It's good to be out side of the office and not doing Zoom calls with students. Exactly. And well, and our listeners can also join us uh, this afternoon on the Facebook Live. Sorry, another screen, but uh, you know, you don't have to look at the screen. They, they will Thank need God to. Yeah. <laughs> Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. Now, um, Jason, I know you're doing an event, uh, the evening of Urban Love Poetry, uh, November the 15th from 7 till 8.30 at Taekwun. So for some of our listeners, do get your tickets because they're selling out fast. Jason, you are a Chinese, British, Malaysian uh, poet and academic, and your poetry debut collection, Beds in the East, uh, was a finalist uh, for the HKU Poetry Prize and also for the Melita Hume Poetry Prize. And uh, Jason is currently the literary editor of the Postcolonial Text and current chief curator for Poetry Out Loud, which is Hong Kong's longest-running poetry collective, and he also lectures at the Hong Kong Baptist University. Wow, that's a lot of accolades. Not but really, but <laughs> it, it looks good, I guess, on the page. Absolutely, it does. And we'll talk about page and stage in relation to poetry in, in just a bit. First of all, let's talk about your poetry journey. Now, um, now I know you're doing a, a, a poetry evening recital, the, the urban love poetry. Was this your first love? Or did you sort of start in other areas of of prose like short story for example um, in terms of creative writing yeah, I'd say definitely poetry poetry is very very um, condensed you can get it done in three minutes um, and as I said earlier I haven't really matured beyond that so perhaps I'm, I'm stuck with poetry now it's stuck for life well e- you say it's it's easy it's actually quite hard to choose the right words to tell the story in essence in in such you know with with word limits sometimes mm-hmm. I you know it's such a skill to have yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I frequently say this to, to a lot of people and students. You know, poetry, I think, is the easiest thing to write, but it's also the hardest thing to write. Well. So um, in terms of the kind of time commitment, in terms of what you're trying to actually put down, um, you can just get down a couple of emotions, and that's already a poem. Um, but to edit it, to really kind of get the cadences and the nuances, the turn of expression, that's pretty tough. Yeah. So I think the poetic journey can be quite long in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Um, so who edits your, your your poems? Do you sort of edit them down, or do you have like a trusted circle where you you'll show them your work? Um, I guess it depends from person to person. Um, I'm not the sort of person who kind of rattles off a poem and, and kind of gets it printed out and, and published and out there. I normally kind of perform it. Um, and then I, I normally kind of judge by myself through the reading. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do look at the audience to see if they understand what the poem is about, see how they respond to it. Um, and then it's just an endless process of self-editing. Um, but when I get close to what I think is the fi- finished article, normally I'll send it to probably just a few trusted friends. Um, so they can judge you a little bit and give yeah, you great feedback. they can kind of throw it in my face and, and tell me how, you know, 
how inadequate I am. And that's fine. That's not a problem. Um, it's good to stay on the ground for this. <laughs> Absolutely. And sometimes poetry can be very personal. I guess any writing can be very, very personal. And it's sometimes not so easy to, to take feedback. I mean, as a seasoned poet, how do we, how should people respond to feedback? Because it's the way people interpret your poetry that also matters as well. Yeah, I would say, <clears throat> well, I, I give two different kinds of messages, I guess. I give a very, very supporting, um, you know, devil may care um, message to those starting out. Because I think you just need to experiment. You need to get your work out there. Um, you need to trust your voice and be confident expressing it. Mm. Um, that said, when you become slightly more um, established or entrenched in your own style, there's nothing wrong with getting that really um, strong criticism to try and goad you forward. Yeah. Um, poetry is not something I think you can settle with and kind of just go through the motions. I think you always have to challenge yourself. So, yeah, I think kind of, you know, you can give two different messages to different constituents and, and kind of see what what they get from it. But, yeah, feedback is very important. Development is always important as well. Um, mm. And I guess when you have so many people with so many subjective ideas of what constitutes good poetry, right, you can never satisfy everyone. So you just have to satisfy yourself and, and the people you trust, I guess. Absolutely. When you're writing your poetry, Jason, do you sort of have in mind um, your audience, um, how you perform it? Are you writing it for the page? Or are you writing it for the stage? Or is it such a fine line in between that you have to balance it mm. too because people read it first before they perform it? I guess um, because I do a lot of community performances, sometimes I think of the audience while I'm writing. Um, if I'm in a bit of a rush and I have to rattle something off to perform, then I, I think more about how it will sound rather than how it will look on the page. But I'd still say by and large, I'm more of a print poet. So yeah. I do think about how things appear on the page uh, and how, you know, different audiences around the world might perhaps get the information. So I guess you can balance both of those out. I would say that um, you can't really have one without the other in terms of how you develop, um, but you can certainly have a preference. Um, I know within the community we have a lot of people who are great performers um, and their work just sounds fantastic. No matter um, what they write. No matter what they write, <laughs> yes. Um, which which is a great talent to have, I think, yeah. Yeah, Do you, yeah that's such a good point because um, a lot of the times it, it can be written in a really, it can be written really well, but when it comes to the performance, it, you know, it comes down to showmanship or it comes down to your performance. But are there any instances where um, it, it it's really it's really well written but when it comes to the performance, it, does it come down to the individual or how it's performed? Or is it really, well, can you blame the text, really? I think there are some poems that are just perfect for reading out loud. I mean, we, all have those, we all have those poems that we've studied and we think, yeah. you know, this is a fantastic yeah. performance piece. Um, and there are those quirky poems that you kind of, you want to shut yourself up in your room with and kind of, you know, the, you want to go the, through the, the emotions yes, with yes. them, right? Um, so I guess, again, poetry, you can't pin it down to any one particular um, sentiment, I mm -hmm. don't think. That said, there are people who who turn, you know, the most bland things like, a, I don't know, uh, a recipe and they'll read it out and it sounds fantastic. Or prime numbers. Or, or prime numbers, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think 
there is there is that kind of spectrum between what you're trying to do with the poem. Um, I think some of the best poems I've heard are actually ones that are delivered very simply, right? In normal, everyday conversation, you know, you're not kind of going through the registers or the timbres. And I think there's perhaps a movement towards that, not showing off so much, but letting the words of the poem do the work for you. Yeah. So I think, that, again, there are so many different ways of, of approaching poetry or the poetic art form. It's entirely up to the performer to decide what they want to do. Mm. Um, can you share with some of our listeners, by the way, you can uh, see Jason on Facebook as well, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. Can you perhaps share with some of our listeners and our audience um, any inspirations that, that you have, maybe, or has it changed throughout the years? So when you started off yeah. as an early poet, who were your early inspirations? <laughs> Well, I think when you're when you're young, you're still finding your voice. You perhaps can lean on the people that you have studied or read. Mm. Um, so there is there is that kind of desire to emulate. And then I guess as as you get older and you become a bit more sure of your voice, you move away from that. Um, it, it's never a straightforward linear path, right? So I think some people can regress with their poetry. I think I've regressed a little bit. Um, but my earliest influences, I would say, definitely come from the English canon, yeah. because um, even though I, I spent my childhood in Malaysia, my, most of my formative years were in the UK. So, you know, the likes of Ted Hughes and Seamus Heaney, Derek Walcott, I mean, these are big names. Uh, they kind of came to me when I was writing this first collection. I'm so glad you said the big names, because I must say, sometimes <laughs> people share really niche names that you've never heard of. And I'm like, but this will come, right? Your later influences will be people that we've not heard of. Yeah, I guess, I guess you kind of, you look for those yes. niches, yes. right? Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because yes. there is that there's that sense that you should find your own tribe mm. within this kind of poetry community um, I think also because I've been in Hong Kong for 15 years now I, I kind of want to decolonize my poetic canon a little bit <laughs> so I try to read outside of the uh, kind of standard English writers um, so there's that move towards, I suppose, local writers, um, regional writers, those who have very different things to say about um, life and love and, and everything around that. Um, <clears throat> but I guess I always come back to certain figures. I mean, that's, I think, a natural thing. We have, we have firm favorites. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, can you? Okay, let's talk about your work then. Now, your previous masterpiece, the uh, poetry collection Beds in the East. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Um, it's it's been a long time coming. Um, this is uh, a poetry collection that really charts my childhood experiences in Borneo, so a very very exotic location, um, right on the edges of, of of Malaysia, right, which to a lot of Western readers I think would be seen as exotic. And then it moves gradually towards the UK um, because I moved to the UK when I was quite young, nine years old, um, and I spent most of my formative years there. Um, getting lost, um, trying to figure out who I was or who I wanted to be. So in a way, it's very confessional. It's it's a kind of narrative journey through childhood. So it talks about those kind of moments of innocence um, and those kind of, you know, those, those moments where you get the experience and it hurts, but you learn from it as well. Um, and of course, being, being mixed race, it's, it's one of the things that I think um, I have the opportunity to share. Um, so that's one of the things I wanted to do. Um, and I wanted to get this out before I started um, publishing stuff that's more about Hong Kong, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. How easy is it to write about yourself? I mean, it's such a fine line between how much you share and then yeah. how personal. It's it's and it's not easy. It's not. I think <clears throat> I think again, it's 
it's something you just have to power through. Um, I see so many young poets who are so reluctant to share their own personal details. Why is but that? I guess there's a vulnerability that yeah. comes out when you read when you read and share your own your own life experience, particularly through poetry, because it's it's such an emotional art form as well. Um, but I think once people get over that 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 kind of speed bump, then there's no stopping them. You know, you get people they and it's so relatable. It is. You, it yeah. is. It's wonderful. Um, I think sometimes you get people who are just too obsessed with their own emotions yeah. so you get the other get worried about being <laughs> <laughs> but i think yeah there's there's always the kind of starting from the self which i think is necessary and is is very useful because it's it helps to create empathy between the poet and their reader yeah and i know you brought along some works with us are you able to read anything for uh, our sure. listeners today absolutely great which piece will you read for for, for our listeners um i would love for you to join us on Facebook Live, uh, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And I apologize for a, a lot of noise in the studio. Should I close the door? Um, we need the, to keep the door open for the Wi-Fi. We need the Wi-Fi. But, but um, I might just um, just have to tell them to <laughs> be a bit quiet. So, Jason, will you choose a, a piece that you'd Absolutely. like to read for us? Thank you. I have it already. Okay, so and the poem that I, I'd like to share is, um, it's a childhood poem, um, and it's about the idea of, of, of growing up and of gaining a kind of wisdom through experience. So this piece is called Catching Grasshoppers. We took turns out in the long grass, knee-deep in sweat-stained inspiration, stroking the garden for grasshoppers. That first one came leaping out, kneading its legs and skimming through the humid air like a jet spring. When of a sudden it landed, we shuttered that spot with anything we could find. Lunchboxes, oversized caps. Even once, my farm substituted for a dark green prison. The light throbbing leapt once, twice, then dug into quiet protest, waiting for my sleight of hand to flood day into night. We kept them in round plastic boxes, fringed with memories of yesterday's catch, and counted clockwise from the largest, burliest male, with its antenna erect like antlers, bulbous eyes warming in a transparent gloom. We tilted the box and saw up close their mandibles clicking for revenge, breathing tightly with their hind legs poised for momentum. That month, we culled the grasshoppers every way, stabbed them with forks and toasted them over the brown grass, drowned them in pears under the reflected glare of sunlight, and fed them to praying mantis at the stroke of noon. Then I remember how, tanning after the sun, the child in me sought solace in their placid ways. Sounds like the scraping of nature against metal inside the box enforced a common stand as I strode against the shrieks of classmates and scattered them like grains against the wind. The grasshoppers whined through the air, like schoolboys at play, and their joy fanned over the field so swiftly I felt, for a brief second, I had flown with them into the freshness of another world. So that's um, a poem called Catching Grasshoppers. Wow, it's so vivid. It's so powerful. I can really just, <laughs> it's, it's, I know it's poetry, but it's almost like a film, just seeing how you guys mm. catch the 
grasshoppers toasting it. Well, it's a wonderful poem to write um, when you're an adult and you kind of go back to those those kind of halcyon days of childhood. So the memories, they, they stick. They really, yeah, it's yeah. so vivid. How long did it take you to write that? Is, is it one of those, because it's so vivid in your head that you sort of wrote it very quickly, but yeah, did you have was. to refine <laughs> it was, what actually, words you yeah. used? I think this was the poem that I, I go to when I talk about the inspiration hitting you. I wrote this in 15 minutes and I really? think I changed less than 2%. Um, I wish I had more of those moments, obviously, you'd be a more efficient writer. Um, but that was, for me, a kind of aha moment, yeah. um, to trust your voice as you're writing. Um, I can't write like this anymore, I'm afraid. I, I, I kind of plan, over plan, um, and I kind of stitch my poems together very piecemeal. Um, but sometimes I wish I could go back into this, this form of, of kind of free writing. Yeah, that's so interesting. You say that it, it's true. Is it because of experience that you know you, you know, as adults, well, as adults, but as, the more you grow, the more you know. So you're just more cautious. You you know more, you just know more. So it's harder yeah. to just sit down to. I guess sometimes you write. Yeah, I guess sometimes you you write with the handbrake on. So I, I'm kind of more hyper aware of what I'm yeah. trying to do, and that's not always a good thing because clearly it impedes the progress of my writing. Um, so I think, I don't think I'll be the only person to say this, but when I go back to my earlier work, I couldn't write like that anymore. Yeah. Um, and there's something quite sad about that, I think, in a way, because you do want to emulate your, your younger self where possible. Um, and if you read poets that, that write throughout their career, you see a huge shift in, in their development. Um, but sometimes I kind of I kind of have that nostalgia for being able to write as a, as a young man, you know, talking about love and innocence and all of these things. And now I'm a very pessimistic middle-aged yeah. man. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very interesting that you mentioned love as well. And I know, you know, the 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 event that you're going to be a part of is an evening of urban love poem poetry. That's um, right. Yeah. Th there's this. It just made me think that in a world where there seems to be a, a lot of hate, may, maybe not a lot of hate, but maybe where hate is a bit more magnified, yeah. I don't know, maybe through social media, is there a role for, for, for poetry? Is it maybe the missing piece that we all need? You know, everybody reads some love poems. Absolutely. And it would... Absolutely. Um, we, we talk about love, and I think love is, has a big part to play. I think compassion, empathy, yes. these are huge things that we are missing. Um, and we, we talk about this globally, but even within Hong Kong, with, with everything that we've gone through, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of um, a lot of people who are in need of healing, and I think poetry as a form of therapy is is one of the best things out there, because you allow you allow yourself to to express your emotions. You get it out there, um, and it's it's wonderful because you're you're taking part in an art form that is also community based in many ways, so. You know, we talk about this in the community and we talk about this in terms of safe spaces, um, kind of having non-partisan um, areas where you can express yourself however you wish um, without having to get caught up into, you know, the politics of what you're saying or whether people will take offence. And I think that's important to maintain with poetry because essentially it's, it's, it's about yourself but it's also about the other. And that other can be expressed through readerships. It can be expressed through, you know, the other person inside yourself. Um, you know, a lot of people are quarreling amongst themselves, yeah. um, to quote Yeats, you know, and that, that's how they create their poetry. Um, and that's wonderful um, because it, it, it's a way of contributing yeah. in, in a very non-aggressive manner, I think. Yeah.
That's really interesting. You know, where where conflict can inspire poetry, but maybe you know, sort of as you said, co- poetry can heal. Poetry heals. I don't know, but we're not talking about poetry heals. Maybe <laughs> uh, you know, um, poetry out loud is uh, you are the cu- uh, chief uh, curator. Very quickly before the news, Jason, can you share with us what is it that you do there, and are you looking for poets to join? And if there are any budding poets and people who appreciate uh, poetry, how can they know more? Yes, thanks, thanks, Noreen. Um, just a quick. Pl- uh, Poetry Out Loud has been running now for well over 20 years. Um, we were set up just after the handover. Um, and the fact that we've, we've run for so long, I think, is testament both to the dedication, but also the kind of the interest um, in poetry. We are predominantly English language based, but we accept poems in any language. We've had collaborations with um, Chinese poets in Cantonese. We meet on the first Wednesday of the month normally in the Fringe Club. The Fringe has been our home for more than 15 years. We welcome newcomers. We're a very, very welcoming bunch. Um, what I have tried to do since since I've kind of taken over the reins is I, I've tried to make us more broadly representative at the local level to try and give some of the young um, members of the community more of a voice and also to give them a kind of stakehold in the process. So not only will they read, they'll also MC. They'll organise. They'll they'll do the things that they do. They have all that energy, um, and we also try to connect to former members from overseas. Um, our founders were from Australia, India, um, and uh, I think from Macau as well. So we have an international feel as well. So we're, we're trying to make sure that we can maintain that. Um, but yeah, come along first Wednesday of the month, 7.30 at the Fringe Club. Excellent. And Jason, very quickly, have you got a website or are you on social media? How can our listeners follow you? Um, I, I try to stay away from social media more and more these days. But, very wise. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jazz Lee Poet, J-S-L-E-E Poet, um, or Jason Lee on the Facebook page. I'm quite difficult to find because I have one of the most common names available. Um, But my full name is Jason Eng Hunley, so you can always Google that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jason Eng Hunley. Thank you. Poet and academic, um, and uh, he'll be, uh, you can watch him, you can go to his event, which is an evening of urban love poetry in Tycoon on the 15th of November. Thank you very much indeed for your time today.